to episode number one of Shore Words in Isolation. I'm Leslie Ewing, host of Shore Words, and for this podcast and the next one, I'll be sharing with you some COVID-19 reading. I made a list of 19 suggestions for this time of isolation, but for you to understand this list, I want to explain something first about my reading habits and then to cover some of the books that didn't make it onto this list. This is going to be an explanation of some of my idiosyncrasies and convoluted logic. And before that happens, I'd like to take a break for a word from the ASPN sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast. The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numeric modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. And now they have a brand new coastal resiliency department headed up by our very own Peter Ravella. Check them out at lja.com. We are also brought to you by Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants prides itself on offering specific environmental and horticultural expertise with practical first-hand knowledge of all aspects of coastal revegetation projects. Their high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, along with their skilled and respectful crews, make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring coastal ecology of your barrier island community. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. And we are brought to you by the Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They can handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at the dunesciencegroup.com. So first, here's my disclaimer about my reading habits. When I'm under stress, not normal work stress, but stress from uncontrollable external things, such as the situation now or has happened after 9-11, my tendency is to read nonfiction, science, history, biographies, and such. I can't really focus on fiction, and I have no idea why this is the case. But I just finished No Horizon is So Far, a book by and about Anne Bancroft and Liv Arneson's 2000 trek across Antarctica. I'm about to start a biography about Haley Lamar. Neither book's coastal, but both are compelling stories. I mean, Anne Bancroft and Liv Arneson are modern-day heroes. Hedy Lamar is rather unsung for some of her legacy. She was a Hollywood movie star in the golden age of movies and in the vernacular of the time. She was a bombshell, but she's also brilliant and worked on a patent for something called spectral separation radio. This is fundamental to our wireless phones and GPS systems. And just imagine what we'd be doing in isolation now without Zoom and our iPhones. So I think everyone should say a quiet thank you to Hedy Lamar. Now, I'm hoping my personal reading habits will change soon because I like fiction. My book group is reading fiction, and this might help me expand into my reading, my more normal reading materials soon. But don't worry, I know my stress reading isn't normal, so I've put some fiction on this list. But before getting to the actual list that I have, 
I'd like to explain some of the books that didn't make it onto the list. The first was Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It was on my list for a short time, and on the plus side of having it on my list, it's a poem, and I didn't have any other poetry. It also directly covers physical and social distancing. But on the minus side, it's really fraught with angst and self-persecution, probably not what we need right now. For those of you who don't remember the story, the mariner, as, an, as a young man, killed an albatross. Now, this is a bad omen when you're on board ship. So the young mariner was banished to the front of the ship, the bow, and he had the carcass of the albatross tied around his neck. Everyone shunned him. Thus, there was both physical and social distancing. Fast forward to the time that he's the ancient mariner. He's an old man, but he still carries with him the emotional albatross for the rest of his life. And he's been living pretty much his whole life in isolation. So it's a real downer. And you have the gist of that one. Um, I'd say there's no need to read The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner right now. The next book that didn't make my list is Moby Dick, a classic. I know it. This is the book that Peter Avella, one of the ASPN co-founders, is or has been reading. As Peter tells it, when he was in Alaska last year, he met someone who reads Moby Dick once a year. After that visit, Peter was inspired to read Melville's allegorical epic about a man who chases a white whale. I mean, it's a book everyone knows about, but I think few have actually read it. Probably everyone knows the opening line, Call Me Ishmael, and D.H. Lawrence called it one of the strangest and most wonderful books in the world. It's the greatest book of the sea ever written. Probably true. In Moby Dick, Melville describes in detail almost every aspect of life on a whaling ship, and I acknowledge it's filtered into huge segments of our culture. For example, the first mate's name was Starbuck. Yeah, the source of the coffee shop's name. Anyway, I did try to read Moby Dick once, but I was way too young. I didn't finish it, and I've never really felt the urge to try again. So apologies to Peter and his inspiration from Alaska, but Moby Dick the Whale did not make my cut. Now onto my actual list. Now I couldn't figure out how to prioritize these books, so my list is alphabetical. And as the first listing will highlight, I've taken some liberties with the list to how I created alphabetical. The first alphabetical listing is Susan Casey who has written two books that I thought should be part of this reading. They're both nonfiction. One is Devil's Teeth, and the other is The Wave. Devil's Teeth is a name for the Fairlawn Islands that are about 25 miles from San Francisco, and they're visible from the city on a clear day. The islands support and have for years supported huge populations of seabirds. In the early days of San Francisco, people called eggers, would head to the islands to take away enormous quantities of murin gull eggs to sell to people in the city or those heading to the gold mines. The island was such a big source of eggs, and eggs were so important to the city's economy, that two different companies fought over the rights to take eggs from the island. That led to the famous Egg War, everyone has of course heard of, the Egg War of 1863. 
Anyway, in addition to all the birds, the island attracts sea lions and the creatures the people perhaps now most associate with the island, great white whale, great white sharks. And one of the main characters in Devil's Teeth is an urchin fisher who goes out to the islands alone to die for urchin. Switching to the wave, Sue Casey delves into the big waves from many different perspectives. These rogues, freaks, and giants of the oceans, as she calls them. She writes about the waves from many different perspectives, ranging from the various stories or historic accounts of enormous waves, enormous ships lost at sea, the physics of waves, some of the iconic surf spots like Mavericks or Pipeline, also to the people who venture to surf these giants. For me, it fulfills the nonfiction, sciencey side of my reading urge, along with some of the stories that are more adventure-focused. The second book on my list is Circe. It's by Madeline Miller, and this one is about living for years on a deserted island. Except the island dweller, Circe, is a Greek goddess. She's daughter of Helios, who carries the sun around daily in his chariot, and then Persis, who is a sea nymph. Circe is exiled to, her, exiled to her island by her father because she doesn't fit in with the gods and goddesses up in wherever they live. I think it's Olympus. And the story's about her life on the island. But since she's a goddess, she doesn't have normal experiences. And one of her many visitors is Odysseus. So the story also covers his story, his life, with an abridged version of his long ocean voyage from Troy back to his home in Ithaca. And it's a fun read. It covers all the Greek mythology, and you start remembering some of those stories from your grade school. This random alphabetical listing then leads me to the next ocean voyage, Shackleton's aborted trip across, across Antarctica that turned to an incredible trip from Elephant Island to the whaling station on South George Island. What everyone knows about Shackleton is his leadership, and that despite all the hardships that he faced, he and his crew, everyone survived this expedition. There's a book called The Endeavor, which is by Carolyn Alexander that I've enjoyed reading. It covers all of Shackleton's expedition. It has a lot of pictures that were taken at the time by Frank Hurley, who was the ship's photographer. I did check on versions of the book that are available on Amazon. There's an audible audible option. I wouldn't do it. I mean, the, the, the pictures alone by Frank Hurley make it worth getting the actual book. They're pretty amazing. And if you are an Arctic fan, I want to put in a plug for a book called The Storied Ice that's written by a good friend of mine, Joan Booth. She provides a really in-depth history of the human exploration of our most southern continent. Now, the next book on my list is The Floating Coast by Bathsheba DeMuth. It takes us from the Antarctic up to the Arctic. Bathsheba is a political scientist, and Floating Coast is about how the area around the Bering Sea, called Beringia, is altered by two different political systems. It's as close to coastal management as I could come up with for a book. But for centuries, people living around the Bering Sea were connected by that sea. They traveled back and forth across the strait, visiting and trading. And then the eastern side of the Bering Sea was exposed to or overtaken 
by capitalism, the western side of the Bering Sea was overtaken by communism. Two very different management systems were opposed upon this otherwise kind of unified region. Both systems brought very different perspectives on resource exploitation to people who still then, as now, had a very subsistence lifestyle. The U.S. side was exposed to money and goods from outside the region, to religion, to a new set of social norms and Western education. The USSR side was exposed to the three-year, five-year, seven-year plans that governed the taking of resources. They were denied, really, the idea of religion. But again, new social norms and the Soviet education. The people in the marine resources, though, were the same, and they were trapped in the middle of all this. So Bathsheba is a meticulous researcher. She traveled to both parts of Beringia, and she merges together both her personal experiences with the history and research from these areas. At its essence, Floating Coast is an environmental history of the Bering Sea and the influences of the different management systems on the people and resources of Beringia. It's another great nonfiction read. But now the swim through the alphabet brings me to G, which is Gifts from the Sea by Anne Moreau Lindbergh. And I said, I didn't find any poetry for the list, but Gifts from the Sea is pretty poetic. Anne Lindbergh was the wife of Charles Lindbergh and famous in her own right as a writer. And Gifts from the Sea is a series of essays about life. She wrote them while on vacation at Captiva Island. Each essay develops from various shells that she found on the beach their shapes, their natural histories, and her reflections on things that all of us experience, like youth, aging, and friendships, and these ideas that evolved out of the shells themselves. Now, Anne Lindbergh used a Florida beach for her inspiration, and the next on my, beat, on my list uses the whole state of, Cal of Florida. I'm too California-centric. He uses all the state of California for his stories. It's Carl Hyacin, who is a reporter for the Miami Herald, and he uses some of the only in Florida type news stories for his totally crazy fiction writing. I try to read at least one of his books every summer. There are some current news stories about all the wildlife that is coming into cities while so few people are outside, like goats roaming through the streets in Turkey. I don't know for sure what's happening in Florida, but I have images of communities being taken over by alligators and I really do hope that Carl Hyacinth is safe at home and able to turn some of the stranger epidemic stories into his next bestseller. Two of his books that come to mind right now are Tourist Season and Stormy Weather. Tourist Season starts with a partially dismembered body in a suitcase. And it's got a toy alligator lodged in its throat. There's a Shriners convention in town and a missing Shriner. So of course the Shriners mobilized to help find their missing colleague. My favorite image from this book is a group of fez-wearing Shriners swarming around Miami on oversized tricycles. Now, a lot of Carl's books have an environmental focus, and the former governor of Florida is one of the strongest environmental protectors. The ex-governor's name is Skink. He almost always appears disheveled. Somewhere along his life, he lost an eye and is now rather haphazard with using his glass eye. He really doesn't fit the image we normally have for a politician. But in stormy weather, 
while everyone else is trying to escape from an oncoming hurricane, Skink thinks it's smart to lash himself to a bridge to actually experience the storm. And again, this is sort of a truth is stranger than fiction or as strange as fiction. There's a British painter, Taylor Turner, who did some, some, something similar to this about 200 years ago. He's famous for his haunting images of open ocean storms and apparently went out on a ship during a storm and had the crew lash him to the mast so that he could see everything. But now for some more nonfiction with The Hungry Sea by Lynn Greenlaw. Linda Greenlaw has spent most of her life on the water and the hungry ocean covers her time as part of the Grand Bank sword fishing fleet. She was a ship captain and part of her books are adventure, part social science, part, part fishery science. As a confession about including this book on my list, I really haven't read it yet, but I read her book, The Lobster Chronicles, and I expect that The Hungry Sea is equally as good. But a good friend of mine said that this is one of her favorite coastal marine books, so I'm using it on the list rather than the one that I have read. But if my personal reading habits remain focused on nonfiction, this might be next on my list once I've finished reading about Hedy Lamar. But next up on my COVID-19 reading list is Kem Nunn. He may not be someone that a lot of you know of. I hope I'm wrong, but if I am, he's someone I think you might want to get to know. He's an early writer of surf noir fiction, dark fiction about California surfing. There are two books that I really wanted to highlight. One is Tapping the Source. It's his first novel, and it includes an iconic and difficult to access surf spot north of Santa Barbara called The Ranch. Then Dogs of Winter moves further north to the Humboldt coast about surfing up in that cold, cold water. He's not really the Beach Boys version of California surfing, but worth getting to know. Now, if you want a book about the human nature and our draw to the water that's not focused on surfing, you might want to read or reread Old Man and the Sea. It's Hemingway's book about quest, obsession, and being careful of what you wish for. The basic story is about an unlucky fisherman who, after many days without catching a fish, hooks a large marlin. He struggles for two days to reel it in, only to lose most of the, ship, the fish to sharks but it's a classic Hemingway story of man versus nature. Now, the last book on this first COVID-19 podcast is Sebastian Unger's book, The Perfect Storm. It weaves together some of the earlier recommendations of books and is an incredible read itself. This story features the storm, the 1991 epic storm that hit the North Atlantic. And later was called by many, The Perfect Storm. And the central part of the story is the Andrea Gale, which is a sword fishing boat that was lost at sea. Linda Greenlaw was captaining a sister ship to the Andrea Gale during the same storm, and she warned the Andrea Gale about what was later The Perfect Storm. The same storm was part of what inspired Sue Casey's book about giant waves. And then for sure, fishermen and fisherwomen feature prominently in several of my book recommendations. But The Power of the Ocean is another aspect of the, this list, 
And The Perfect Storm covers these issues really well. A lot of the book does talk about the crew of the Andrea Gale. Other parts talk about the formation of the storm, the conditions that all converged to create such a huge disaster, and a lot of the rescue efforts that went on during the storm. So that's the first part of my 19 coastal books or book readings for you to think about during the COVID-19 homestay. If you're keeping score, there were five fiction, five nonfiction, which for me right now is a decent balance. I'm still working on discussions about the second half of my list and will record the special COVID-19 reading recommendations episode two very soon. But here's a quick run through of the first part of my list. So Susan Casey's books, Devil's Teeth and the Wave in Pursuit of the Rogues. Circe by Madeline Miller. Endurance by Carolyn Alexander. And then as an add-on to that, The Storied Ice by Joan Booth. Floating Coast by Bathsheba DeMith. Gifts from the Sea by Anne Mora Lindbergh. Almost anything from Carl Heisen, but if you haven't read Taurus Season or Stormy Weather, those might be ones to start with. The Hungry Sea by Lynn Greenlaw. Kem Nunn's books, which are The Surf Noir, Dog of Winter and Tapping the Source are the two that I mentioned. Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. Or The Perfect Storm by Sebastian Under. So for now, thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay well, stay, stay, stay sane, and keep reading. If you want to send me your list of favorite coastal books, please do so. It's lesliecoastal at gmail.com. And just remember, I'm one of those EY Leslies. So L-E-S-L-E-Y. Thank you so much for listening and happy times to come at all of our favorite beaches. Thank you.